to Just Goes to Show. Welcome back. This is Ridge um, coming back to you with a Premier League preview of the um, upcoming season. I'm with my partner, duo, other member, Chiss. Chiss? Yeah, happy to be back. I know we dropped a few for the World Cup for uh, our first-time listeners. Uh, Welcome. I'm Chiss. We got Ridge over here coming to you live from Chicago. We're going to do a little Premier League preview pod here, kind of going through anything and everything, and then uh, throughout the season, going to be dropping weekly pods here as well, but this one's going to be a little bit bulkier, really get into the nitty-gritty of the upcoming Prem season, but I don't know about you, I am giddy. It's uh, Wednesday evening when we're recording here, we got the first match coming on Friday, the window's shutting tomorrow, so a lot to cover. I'm pumped. Yeah, we got the opening games, Leicester United, correct, Yeah. on Friday, um, and then Magnificent and Undefeatable Crystal Palace play on Saturday, um, and then we're just full into, full into the action. It's going to be a good weekend of Premier League uh, Premier League action. So what we want to do here, what we're going to kind of, to preface this, this segment, we're going to be giving you kind of a high-level a high level look at the Premier League, um, grouping off a couple of title contenders, kind of our top six, um, then jumping into teams that we expect to be in kind of the middle uh, middle of the table, safe, um, but also relatively obscure and not you know playing for silverware. Um, and then uh, towards the bottom, we're going to be jumping into those who you know are going to be fighting tooth and nail, tooth and nail for relegation. Uh, well, to not be relegated, I should say. Um, but let's jump into the top, and then well after that, and we're gonna we're gonna go into some more details in terms of predictions, but um, for for awards and things like that, signing of the season, um, best looking palace player, things like that. <laughs> um, so for 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 starters, um, let's jump into our our top six. Um, so to kind of g- give you the the teams that we think are going to be um, you know playing out for not only European qualification but scrapping to 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 win the title. Um, we kind of have a grouping of Manchester City, United. Um, and Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal. So the two North London teams, um, and then Chelsea, uh, as well as Liverpool, United, and City. Yeah, so I mean, this is really not surprising, but realistically, these are the teams that all have at least an outside chance at the title and would find themselves pretty disappointed to be outside the top four. Um, No surprise here. I mean, these are the six clubs that are kind of in it every year, and... Um, I guess we'll break it down one by one here, but let's start with the the clubs in Manchester. I think they're uh, obviously both thinking that they have a shot at the title this year. Uh, I think it makes sense to start with City here, obviously coming off one of the best seasons in Premier League history. The best. Yeah, the best in terms of points. Uh, They're bringing back basically everybody. Um, Didn't make a ton of moves here mm-hmm. in the window. But, I mean, initial thoughts on City. What do you expect? Yeah, I, I mean, so Man City, expect them. I think Pep Guardiola is the best manager in the world. Um, I think that they're going to do very, very, very well. It's just uh, the way they play, stretching the field so wide, being so dominant when, and, and working so hard when they lose the ball. Um, the, the question is, obviously, can they repeat? So difficult to do. Um, 
you know, to, to win back-to-back Premier League seasons um, when, every, when you got the target on your back. But I just think by how far and away they finished last season, um, and Pep is going to know that, and he's going to talk to his team about that. Uh, they also brought in Riyad Mahrez um, in, you know, here over the summer, um, who is Leicester City's best player. And, um, you know, him and Conte and, and Jamie Vardy were probably the ones that brought Leicester the title a few years back. So I think that uh, Mahrez coming in is a big, big lift. And then obviously they don't lose anybody, right, because of how big they are. They don't lose Sergio Aguero. They don't lose Leroy Sané. Um, because of how big they are. So they only go from strength to strength, um, and I think Pep is the best manager in the world, so hard to look ba- look past him. Yeah, I, I think... I actually really don't expect that much out of the Mares signing. Um, you know, he's not young. He's 29 years old, I think, at this point, 28, 29. Um, he's definitely going to add depth to them going forward, but they already had a lot of that. Um, there's already some guys that are struggling to get into the side. I definitely think it helps, but I think the bigger thing for them is just having that whole group back for another year. Some of their younger guys, um, Leroy Sané, Raheem Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne, just having another year where they've played together. They're also going to get like Mendy back healthy, true, true, true. Uh, Laporte and for a whole season. I was going to say, yeah, they so, made some moves late in the season last right, year. Right, they had a couple of January moves, so... There's just a team that they really don't have any holes. They were so dominant for most of last year. I do think that they tailed off a little bit towards the end of the season, but it's to be expected when you have that big of a cushion. Um, you know, they really didn't have a ton to play for. They knew they were going to be title winners for the last six to eight months of the year, probably. Right. So, um, you know, I, I think that they'll be very, very good again. And at this point, it's them and like, it's them versus the field, right? Yeah. You know, you think that. They got about at least a 50-50 shot to repeat. Uh, it's really hard to do that, but if any team is primed to do it over the past few years, it's definitely them. Mm-hmm. And they are managed so well. They just, I mean, they're just so deep and so dangerous at every area of the field. Yeah, it's just really different, obviously, about compared to previous title winners in the past. Um, just by how, how far and away they were uh, last season, um, it's difficult to look past them. But going to the other side of Manchester, the red side, um, looking at United, I don't feel as good about United at all, despite um, I am a big Mourinho fan, um, even though he annoys most. Um, they did bring in Fred uh, from Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, which is a good signing, you know, kind of allows Pogba to move a little bit further forward in central midfield, which is good. Like you saw in the World Cup, Pogba when he's unleashed by a defensive midfielder like uh, like with Conte with the French team, um, you saw him push further forward. But you know, Mourinho's coming out with all these things in the press. There's things about Pogba being frustrated, um, and aside from the Fred signing, it didn't really bring anyone else in. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's funny. You look at a team like uh, Manchester City with so many stars. It you really don't have a whole lot of drama that you hear in the press with them. Yeah. You got your your typical English media bashing Raheem Sterling for no reason. But outside of that, yeah. there's really nothing there. It seems like they have very good chemistry. They all get along pretty well. Then you go to United and, I mean, you got Mourinho calling out a lot of his players in the right. preseason here. Uh, the, the fact that he was calling out Anthony Martial for being late to report to um, yeah, I just camp feel like- because he just had a, a, his first kid. It's just kind of like... Yeah. I don't know. They, they seem like they clash heads so much, Mourinho and all of his players. And obviously right now there's a lot of talk with Paul Pogba being unhappy. Who knows how much truth there is to that. But mm-hmm. if, if you're Pogba, I mean, you're not really getting any recognition from your manager. And I don't know. I I think that they're going to be good. They have a lot of talent. But it's yeah. interesting to see. You also got De Gea coming off of a pretty disappointing World Cup. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how he rebounds. What I think, think? I, I, I just think that United are – 
with the way Mourinho plays, they're so hard to beat because he does organize defensively. Um, he gets a lot of you know pu- public criticism for parking the bus. They they don't concede much. David Gea won um, you know won the Golden Glove last year for most clean sheets with eighteen. So you know they play they play strong defensively. You can't see them getting absolutely smashed by anybody. Um, but I also just don't see them as an expansive enough team to really go and you know they're going to lose some results to nil nil draws away to the likes of you know Burnley um, instead of you know. City's going to beat them 4-0. So I, you know, I just don't think United, with the type of football Marino's playing and the way the club feels right now, um, yeah, I just, I'm not overly enthused about them. So I, I have them sliding down a little bit. But that, yeah, I, don't think, I don't think they're going to be in it in the final few weeks as a title contender necessarily. But I do think um, I'm excited to see Lukaku in his second year there coming yeah. off a really good World Cup. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, they they definitely have the talent. Rashford, uh, Martial. Yeah, I, that's the thing. It's like I, Alexis Sanchez for you, a whole yeah, year. You put now, those players. So. You put those players on City, and I'm all I'm I'm you know I like I don't think I think I think Martial is probably pound for pound as good if not better player than Leroy Sané. But the light in which you view them is is totally different. So yeah, um, I agree. So anyway, uh, that kind of brings us um, to uh, pivoting to some of our London clubs here. We've yeah. got Chelsea. Um, Lot of lot in the media right now with Chelsea with Sari, the former banker, um, Maurizio Zari, um is the the head coach there. Um, he smokes cigs on the sideline, <laughs> so that's cool. Um, he uh, I don't know why, but he like gives me a little bit of a Claudio Ranieri like vibe to him. Yeah, you have a little like, bit of a man crush on Maurizio Sari. I, I'm just really excited because I had like a little bit of a man crush on Napoli last year. Um, I didn't get to see as much of them. I don't follow the Italian league nearly as much as the Prem, but I mean, they're just, they were just electric to watch and to go from Conte to Sarri. I think that with some of the players that Chelsea has being able to hold on to hazard, um, looks like they're gonna be able to hold on to William. Like they have a lot of really good wingers and talent going forward. And with some of like, I don't know. I just think that Sarri could really open them up. It's going to be a transition to go from what Conte did to Sarri's style of play but they're just going to be on the attack. I think they're going to be a lot more fun to watch. And I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about Chelsea this season. I don't know if everyone else is because they didn't make a lot of moves. They basically signed Jorginho, and then it looks like they're making a late move to get uh, Mateo Kovacic possibly on loan. So a couple of midfielders, but they already had some depth. But I just think that last year they really underachieved with the talent that they had. Yeah. So I expect them to bounce back quite a bit. Yeah, and I think I think you know Roman Rob Abramovich won't take anything less than than stellar from the new manager. Manager Chelsea obviously always have short leashes, and so sorry is going to be have a lot. I think there's going to be some pressure where sorry is going to come and have to really change the way they play football, um, but also. Don't, won't have that much time, which is kind of the interesting signing. I think, like you look, you look at the managers who play similar styles, very expansive, a lot of movement, short passes. They generally have a little, a little bit more time to implement their system. Pochettino had le- you know years to implement that. And sorry, I don't know if it's going to get that kind of leash with Abramovich. So, um, and then I also think there's a lot of drama. You know, Courtois just left. They just signed the the, the new Atletico Bilbao goalkeeper, um, whose name I won't try and pronounce for seventy million pounds. <laughs> um, but uh, they also have uh, Hazard, who's a world beater on the left, who had. An amazing World Cup. There's rumors that he wants to leave as well with Courtois. So there's a lot hanging in the balance with Chelsea. I feel like their ceiling's really high with the way Sari plays, or Sari is going to have them play. But I feel like also their their floor is really low because I, you know, if Hazard checks out, um, some of these signings don't like they don't, re, you know. Uh, they don't really have anyone who's going to be banging in the goals. Morata is not very highly rated, and they looked really slow in the Community Shield. So yeah, I, I will say this. I mean, if there's any team that knows how to, or any club that knows how to adapt to a management change, it's Chelsea. They have a new manager like every other week. It's fair. And 
Conte came in in his first season and won the title with yeah. not a lot of expectation there. And it, it's funny, like I kind of view this as like an American way. It's almost like you're a college football team who is transitioning to the spread offense. <laughs> but I feel like they have the, like the personnel to do it. Like they they're gonna be going with a whole new system. But when you got some of these players at your disposal, like I think they'll be pretty good with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I expect them to do well. Let's move on to another club with a new manager, Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, with, Staying in London, yeah. Yeah, Emery coming in, uh, obviously the end of the Arsene Wenger era. What are your thoughts on them? Like, What do you expect out of them this season? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really excited to see how Arsenal plays out. Like, I was a big Arsene Wenger fan, sad to see him go, um, but it's a, new, it's a whole new chapter for Arsenal. And I think out of all these teams, um, I'm excited to see what they do. I, I, don't, you know, I don't follow... Arsenal enough. I haven't seen any of the preseason games. Um, some people are religious, religiously, you know, gooners, gunners, uh, following everything that they do. I like Torreira, uh, the the new signing in central midfield. He has braces and he plays for <laughs> Uruguay. Um, very, very clever tactically, moves well, passes it well, um, almost like a Jorginho S type player. But um, I'm just excited to see how they play because uh, Emery's coming from a team, you know, coming from managing PSG where they're they're so dominant talent-wise, um, and they, they're by far and away the best team. So even if tactically you get it wrong, you're still okay from a talent perspective. You know, your talent will bail you out. Um, when you're going to, going to Arsenal, there's going to be five, six, seven if you dip into some of the other teams below them who are equally, if not better, talented as, 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 as you are. So how are you going to play? And then I look at that team, too. They don't really have any wide players. They they have Aubameyang and Lacazette, Lacazette with a lot of pace up top, and then some good central midfielders with Ramsey, Mkhitaryan, who can move... Um, but I don't know, and, and Granit Xhaka as well. But they don't have any, you know, no out and out wingers. Yeah, the thing with Arsenal, I mean, they they didn't really lose much. Um, they kind of showed up their de- defense a little bit. They brought in Bern Leno, Socrates, yeah. the defender from Dortmund, uh, Lichsteiner. Lichsteiner, which is a little bit of a veteran defender move from Juventus. So, like, I mean, they brought in some pretty good names to show up themselves defensively a bit, and it almost feels like. Um, just because they were so disappointing last year that like Lacazette and Aubameyang almost feel like new signings for them. Yeah. Because neither of them really opened up and, and Aubameyang came late in the season, but they just don't have a lot of creativity, I guess. They, they don't have some of these players that like City, United, Chelsea, what? Spurs do that are guys that are like in the midfield that are going to really open up the play. I mean, you look at, you're talking about like Xhaka and Ramsey and like these aren't really like super exciting creative midfielders that I think are going to make a huge impact on goal scoring. And so it's really asking a lot out of Lacazette and Aubameyang going forward. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, I think that they do have the player, like, you know, Alex Iwobi is, is another good name. I think they have... They have ta- they have enough talent on their team where depending on how Emery plays and that, whether or not he gets enough buy in early on because these are players who you know I don't know how they were feeling in terms of were they wanting a switch from the way Wenger was playing and a lot of these guys like Aaron Ramsey is is like you know Wenger's gr- grandson you know what I mean so yeah uh, it's going to be, gonna be yeah. is there going to be quick buy in um, how are they going to play are they going to play um, quick there's going to be a lot of movement I've seen some tactical lineups and how they're going to line up because they don't really have any wingers so I think they're going to play through the middle a lot which is like the opposite of the way City plays but as well like you know Emery's been a top manager at top clubs he's a big name right he's managed big teams big players so I don't think he's going to fall short there um, I'm excited to see him him get in there and I'm also excited to see a little bit more optimism in regards to the, the, the Arsenal team um, for the last two three seasons it's been it's been feeling like this banger out banger out thing so well, it's interesting like as an American uh, Premier League fan we deal with a lot of Arsenal supporters. Yeah. They're just one of the most popular clubs in the States here. 
And so it's just been really annoying to hear year after year about how under like how they underachieve and how bangers got to go. And so right. like, it, it is interesting. Now they don't have an excuse. Like they brought in a top manager. Only chapter, yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Emery like got them going, but I just don't think that they have quite the same talent as these other teams we have in this tier. So it'll be interesting. Now let's move to um, two clubs. One of them made a ton of moves and one didn't do anything. We got Liverpool and Spurs left. Let's go to Liverpool because they're probably the most exciting team to talk about in the entire Prem right now. Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but it, it's really good business. Jurgen Klopp's got that team right under his thumb. He had an absolute nightmare with Karius in the Champions League final, losing that. And I kind of, I kind of was, I don't know, I was waiting for Klopp to be like, "All right, my players weren't good enough. I took them all this way, but he's just been so patient and stuck by his, you know, stuck by his guys. And those are guys who would just run through a wall for him. They do every game. They, they you know, lead the league in sprints. Um, but they brought in Naby Keita from Red Bull Leipzig. It was a transfer that it was kind of sealed up last year. Fabinho mm-hmm. came in to sure up defensive midfield. Um, Alisson, uh, the the Brazilian keeper. So huge move for him. I mean, expensive for a keeper, but you know it's, a, it's an area. Spent a ton need. of money. They spent a ton of money. They, as well. they brought in Van Dyke last season, yep. um, who hasn't even had a full season there. Um, yeah, Jordan Shakiri. Um, so you know, and and Salas in his second season in the Premier League, um, and kind of that front three that was so dangerous: the Mane, Firmino, Salah. Um, now you've got Shakiri coming off the bench there. Um, also, Daniel Sturridge is apparently coming back into the fold. Um, It'll be exciting with they're them. They're a good team. They're um, really good. They're very good top to bottom. They have a ton of depth, a ton of – I mean, they're going to be probably the most fun team to watch. Yeah, they're going to buckets of goals. Yeah. Uh, because they're just so exciting going forward. The thing is with them, you think about how they played City head-to-head last year. They were the only team that really like seemed like they were on the same level yeah. as them. Um, and they just had to be a little more consistent, and their issue was that they – they played great against the other top six clubs. It was that they dropped points to some of the bottom ones, and it was you know just some defensive weaknesses. You think uh, bringing in Van Dyke for a full year, Allison. They still got uh, Dejan Lovren there, who yeah, off a pretty good World Cup though. Like, get, it's, it, get. I think that um, also Andy Robertson was yeah. great last year. So I'm really optimistic. I think they have the best chance to challenge dethrone City. City here. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but I think on the attack. They're as dangerous as City. Yeah, I think I don't know. I I think that. Yeah, I think they're very very gifted. I think it's almost uh, for me. I come from a kind of a footballing philosophy uh, thought with with Liverpool, and I think about the way that they play. They're they're uh, they play like Huddersfield tries to play. Right, Huddersfield obviously doesn't have nearly nearly the same ta- talent level, but um, they work so hard without the ball at their feet, and it's press, and it's lose the ball, get it back instantly, instantly, instantly. Um, but when I feel like the game slows down a little bit, like they they're really good, like uh, to make a basketball analogy, when you're like running the floor, right? Um, but when they got the, the Mike D'Antoni offense, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but like when you when when the game slows down a little bit, and you get teams who really pack it in, you know, when you when they go up against teams like Leicester, um, who really get a lot. Of guys behind the ball Burnley like I feel like Liverpool always struggles to break those teams down um their you know their offense and explosivity comes from when people try to play against them um and then they smash those teams and I think that's why they match up well with City um with you know, with City being so so dominant possession um so I think that for someone to win the title who plays that style of football um you know, Dortmund made a run of it when, against Bayern when Jurgen, Jurgen Klopp was a manager in, in Germany. And I think that you can make a run of the title, but I don't know if you can necessarily win the title. I mean, you probably can, but you've got a really 
like you've got to take all your points from the bottom teams, and that's what City did last. I mean, everybody they didn't drop the against table. anybody. They smacked yeah. everybody because yeah. of the way that their class and the way they play football, play the play, the way they play football. And I think that when Liverpool goes up against you know these teams at the bottom of the table, the the Huddersfields, the well not Huddersfield, the 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 Southamptons, the Watfords, the Bournemouths, the you know the Brightons, the the Burnleys, Newcastle is like those are teams that are going to get a lot of players behind the ball. And can can they the way they play? They have a vulnerability to them. Uh, definitely, and right. but that's why I think shoring up themselves defensively a little bit. I, I think they're going to be really good. They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think that anything outside of the top four would be an absolute disaster. Yeah, they, I mean they obviously expect to win the title coming into the season. Um, but yeah, I think that they're the biggest challenger to City. And then we go over to let's go over to Spurs, wrapping up this top tier here. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a huge Spurs fan over the past few years. I've just basically like worshipped huge Spurs uh, Pochettino. Well, not huge. Like I'm just a fan of the way that they've done their business and and the way they play. But I mean, it's just the same story every year with them. They just don't really bring anybody new. They don't spend. I don't well, know. yeah, it's tough because obviously the way Daniel Le- uh, Daniel Levy, who's the GM, Levy Levy. Quite frankly, I don't care. I don't really like the guy. Um, he obviously negotiates all transfers for Spurs because Pochettino doesn't even speak very good English. So <laughs> when. Levy is going out and, and trying to buy players. You, you see this with the Jack Grealish transfer right. saga right now, right? Like if he's not going to get it exactly for the value that he wants to get it at, he doesn't like to overspend or go in big and, unless he feels insanely confident about the player. He kind of has like a number in mind and he's a very kind of shrewd negotiator. Um, and he does business very <laughs> practically with like with selling Modric and Bale and these big names in the past few years. He's practical, I guess, and he's yeah. frugal. But then you like also spend thirty mil on Sissoko a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's true. Like, yeah, mean, it's, it's sometimes so yeah, sometimes every once in a while, window, they'll, yeah, right. Every once in a while, they'll do something and it won't work. Or even like Eric Lamelo has kind of been a disappointment for them. But fair. Um, but I agree. Like he'll underbid, and if they don't if they don't get anywhere near his valuation, then he's just like, all right, cool, we're good. Like yeah. he's like, but again, I mean, they have Kane, Erickson, Dele Ali. Um, yeah, I mean that's know, the like thing. Dembele, they're, they're a very very good team. They're very good defensively. Uh, it looks like right now they might be able to keep uh, Toby Alderweireld mm-hmm. as well, who is linked with United. So if they keep him, they yeah, bring back Hugo think... Lloris, who just came off a World Cup win. They're going to be really good. It's just, it's just hard when you got your competitors like Liverpool going out and spending over two hundred mil. That's the thing. And you're not going to bring in one guy. Yeah. Do I think they'll? Do I think they'll win the title? No. Do I think that they'll finish uh, in the top four? Well, I'll go over that in a bit. But, yeah, we'll get to our predictions um, on in the top four here exactly towards the end, but. But case in point, they didn't make any moves, but they have a good enough core where they should be able to, to have a, a, a there shouldn't a be a drop season. Off, really. But but yeah. it's almost a taste of what Arsenal fans have been hearing in the past few years, which is like, ah, like when are we going to really go for it? And I think Spurs have had such good form over the past two seasons, and it almost feels like they just they they almost like got too many points between in a window where it's like the second half of two seasons ago and the first half of this past season. They got picked up too many points then, um, like between two seasons, um, where that kind of felt like that was their time when they were playing really well and they you know they, were they just yeah and it's it, with them in the prem and the champions league they just seem like they're one or two signings away from being really really good and being like a, a dominant team and they just don't make them so yeah i'd be frustrated no one behind player. harry kane like if harry kane gets hurt or anything like that like, right you know, really like they brought in jansen two seasons ago and they sold like they just don't have any cover there um but again they're good good core they should be good so let's move on so we'll get to um our middle tier here which we have another six clubs in which is teams that we think if they play really, really well, could finish um, could finish inside the top six, threaten to play in Europe. 
Uh, and they probably won't be battling for relegation. Uh, probably. So, Hopefully. in this group, we have no particular order. Everton, Leicester, West Ham, Palace, Burnley, Newcastle. So, uh, I guess let's start with Everton, because I think most people would agree they're probably that next team outside the top six. I know you might not agree, but I think most people would. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, Silva coming in, very interesting tenure with Watford. I wanted him at Palace um, as the manager of Everton, bringing in Richarlison for you know over oh, 50 mil. over twenty million pounds is a lot of money considering he had a, a, you know obviously Silva has a relationship with him and feels right. Like That's he gets the interesting thing about it is he played for him last year, so right. I mean he obviously knows his ability, but. Right. I, I just think I don't know. I think Everton really went for it last season with you know signing all of these players, right? Like they signed Pickford preseason. Um, they made all these moves. Rooney, they picked up Keane, Clausen, and then they signed in the middle in the middle of the season. They signed Walcott. Um, they really went after some big names, and um, they they have kind of a, a lot of that still on their payroll for the most part. And um, I think the manager change is, is, is needed. Sam Allardyce. It's an interesting shift gone. to go from Allardyce to Silva. It's going to yeah. be a, a different a transition for sure. I, I think either way, if you're an Everton fan, you're going to feel good about the football you're playing. You're going to feel good about the direction you're moving. And, and I kind of feel like they're like, they want themselves to be like a Spurs of four or five years ago where like they've got a manager in, they have, a, they want to establish a future and a style of playing with him, let him create his own, um, you know, his own team just brought, spent a lot of money to bring in his own guy for Charleston. Um, but it is you know. interesting with them. I feel like Everton are in this spot right now and they have been for several years. I think they're going to probably finish somewhere between seven and 10 and they really want to be able to crack the top six. They're yeah. willing to spend, but they don't have the players that are willing to come to them necessarily. And so they're, they're, the, they're kind of in the spot where they'll take some of these top six rejects yeah. for a little bit overpriced, like a Walcott or someone towards the end of their career or a Rooney. And then they're also splashing on guys like Richarlson, where none of these top six clubs are going to be willing to spend 50 mil on a guy like that. Yeah. So they're just kind of in this limbo. And I wouldn't be shocked if they broke into the top six, but uh, I don't know. They're, I don't, they're just not on the same level as those six clubs ahead of them. Yeah. And, yeah. I And, and you, you kind of look at that core that they kind of first rose to this level with, with David Moyes, which was like Seamus Coleman, Leighton Baines, um, even when Gareth Barry was back there and Ross Barkley and that core is starting to fade away. So it's kind of like, a, again, a new a era, new era, new era for yeah, yeah. new era Everton. But, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see how they play under Silva. They obviously had that 24 get goal game in the preseason, which was nuts, <laughs> which is um, not something you'd ever see. From but also, Sam. <laughs> yeah, right. But also not, uh, not overly, overly interested because it's Everton. Uh, the toffees are crying out loud. They'll, they'll be, they'll be okay. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Leicester. So, Biggest thing for them probably is losing Mares to City. They yeah. got a, a big fee for him. So, I mean, hats off to them. I think they held out and they still got a lot for him. Um, but they're going to be in an interesting spot as well. Like, I, I really don't see them making much of a top six push. They brought in a few guys. James Madison from Norwich for a yeah, lot of money. people like him a lot. Uh, Ricardo Pereira from Porto. Johnny Evans, who was, like, rumored to go everywhere last January. <laughs> they got him for cheap from West Brom. So they brought in a few guys. They only really lost Mares. I think that they're probably going to be right in that same spot as Everton. I don't think they might necessarily have as high of a ceiling, though. Yeah, see, I think they're going to drop off a little bit this season. And I feel I feel like Leicester still has the Premier League champion hangover that just kind of gets a little – like, or, you know, they're like a – 
they they keep like getting they lose a limb like every season from that team, right? Like they obviously lost Conte pretty quickly. Vardy's getting on a bit in age. He's thirty two. Um, just lost Mares. Um, obviously, you know, very, gone through management change. Club who else there? And I don't really think that highly of him. He's kind of just like managed middle to bottom half Premier League teams the last couple of years with Southampton and them. Um, so, but he's still got his job. They have that core of, of champions. Casper Schmeichel in that is, is very, very strong. I've had a good World Cup as well. Um, and I, I do like some of the signs that they bring in. I really like Ndidi um, in central midfield. Big, strong, holding midfielder um, who replaced Conte. And obviously Vardy's going to you know, get a couple. Um, and then look out for Damari Gray, um, who's a former Blue Nose, um, who plays on the outside. Um, he's he's strong, quick, and um, seen a couple goals from him. They do have a couple of good young but, players. I think they'll be pretty good, um, but I don't, I don't really think they're going to be a top six club. But I don't think they'll threaten that too much. But I also don't expect them to be in the relegation zone. I just think, yeah, I also think it's just got a little bit demoting to look at that team and think like, wow, we won the title, we had this amazing season, and then now they're like, you know, now where do they, like where do they set their ambitions at? Do they set their ambitions to win it again. Now it's been a couple of years, and they're just kind of like changing their roster and finding them mid-table. Um, you know, they continue to... They obviously have a lot of financial backing and they're going to stay as a Premier League team. I don't think they'll get relegated, but I expect them to finish in the bottom half um, for sure, kind of slide down a little bit this season. Well, let's go to a couple of clubs that you think might finish ahead of them then. Yeah. So, a one that is very interesting coming into the season is West Ham. Yeah, huge. Very, um, very big talk. I think other life. than Liverpool, I think they were the biggest spenders in England in the window. Um, a ton of so signings. Just talking about who they brought in to start... Uh, made a lot of moves. One of them, uh, Pellegrini, as a manager, came in. Yeah, huge. Huge uh, Which, I mean, he was former Man City manager, won a title with them. Yep. So a lot of experience there. And then some of their signings, Felipe Anderson from Lazio, Issa Jop from Toulouse, a young defender, Yarlomenko from Dortmund, Fabianski, a new keeper, Wilshire on a free, Ryan Fredericks on a free from Fulham, who Shlom. I love as a fullback. Yeah. Very fast. They really made a lot of moves. They didn't lose much. Um... So, I mean, they're going to have very, very high expectations with Pellegrini and with all this money spent. Yeah. It's, they're obviously in that huge-ass new stadium. Um, and I think that they're going to be one of the more interesting teams to watch because I can see them finishing as high as, like, fourth or as low as, like, 15th. Yeah. I, you just have no idea how this squad's going to mesh, really. Yeah, it's it, they're very, very interesting to watch this season. I think they, again, remind me a lot of Everton last season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and where, it didn't really work out for Everton. Exactly. They didn't, it didn't work out for them. Uh, but I don't. I wasn't as confident in Ronald Koeman. A lot of people were, but uh, I wasn't as confident with Koeman going into the season as I am with Pellegrini, someone who's just been there, right? You know he can do it. Um, older guy, but like, can he get this team to fully invest and fully come together around the idea that, hey, we're not going to be mid-table you know, cannon fodder for the, for the top sides. We're actually going to go for it and try and get into Europe this season. He's got to get them um, bought in, playing together, um, and they have a lot of big personalities too. You look at Marco Arnautovic, it's going to be really interesting. He had a very good finish to the season last year. They started mm-hmm. playing him more as like a forward, pure yeah. striker, and he did really well. But he's also a total hothead, could get sent off at any minute. Of course, These yeah. have a lot of guys that like I don't know if I'd want to play with right. uh, as a teammate, but are really high potential players, a lot of talent. So they're going to be interesting. Um, looking at the rest of this tier, um, do you want to talk about Palace? Um, never. No, of course I do. <laughs> um, so I think Crystal Palace, I actually think he's going uh, to – I think he'll finish ahead of Leicester for sure in this tier. But um, I have Palace finishing in the top half. I think Palace can make an outside run run at, at Europe in, in, in full honesty. Um, signing Kuyate and Maximilian Meyer, who – 
it has potential to be signing of the season um, if he works out as an essential attacking midfielder, um, former you know German wonder kid um, playing you know in between Wilf and Andros and underneath Benteke, um, and keeping Wilfred Zaha is obviously the best signing of the window. That's like the third time I've said, said that for Palace. He is Huge, by far. I, I think he's probably top three players, uh, top five players in the league, um, um, and definitely the best player outside. <laughs> he's of definitely. I mean, he's agreed upon. I think. And the thing with him, this window, more than any other window in the past few years, is that, I mean, he was linked with basically every top club in England. Um, I think he was the most coveted player outside the top six that was within England. Right. And the fact that they were able to keep him is pretty impressive. Um, I think he'll have a huge year. And, yeah, I mean, Myron Kuyate will be interesting. Their only real loss is Yoan Kabai, but they brought in two new midfielders. So I also think they'll finish top half. You look at how they started last year, first seven matches, they didn't get a goal or a point, right. and they still finished 11th. So I think they're all really bought into Roy Hodgson. As long as they stay healthy, they still don't have a ton of depth, but as long as they can stay healthy, um, that center-back duo of Mamadou Sako and James Tompkins as well, they didn't lose with them last year. I don't know. I think if you're a Palace fan, you got high hopes for this season, and it's really going to come down to what... You know, guys like Myron Piatek, yeah, signings, it's, but it's absolutely the best I felt about a Palace team coming into the season. Coming into last season um, with Frank de Boer, no idea how we were going to play. Yeah. Um, playing three at the back, and like, but we have it. It's the first time where I feel like we've got a manager with some momentum. We're doing the right things coming into the season. First time Palace has felt like that in probably the first six years, the last six years that they've been in the league. So and I think the biggest needle mover for them, whether they can finish top half or might be battling for relegation again, is going to be how Christian Benteke plays. It's just about to say. Uh, he obviously has the potential, but last year was abysmal. I mean, yeah. we watched them every week, and he was he was terrible. Seems like he's doing pretty well in the preseason right now. Hopefully, he's got some confidence back. But if he can go out and bag fifteen league goals, they're going to be a top half team. Yeah, if he yeah if he can score in bunches, and and obviously having Connor Wickham back and Alexander Sorloff you know, right under him to push for his place. Um, I mean, Benteke didn't have anyone remotely. You know, Andros and Will for our two strikers. Um, Townsend and Wilford are two strikers for a few games last season, so we had no one pushing him for, for form. Um, but Benteke should be on top of it pretty early. Um, yeah. Last two teams in this year both kind of stayed put um, with the summer window here. Yeah. Burnley never seemed like they really do anything, though. <laughs> yeah, Burnley Yeah, Burnley are Deitch's boys, and they just they just get it done. They, they play really strong defensively, hard to score on, hard to beat, hard to beat at Turf Moor. Um, and they're, yeah, they're, and but the the one caveat I will throw in with Burnley, I do expect them to finish a little bit lower this season because of their challenges in Europe. So they are in the Europa League, uh, which full credit to Burnley if you're a Burnley fan, you know, over the moon at that. But um, now you've got extra midweek fixtures. Do you have the squad depth to 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 handle that? I don't think I so. I mean, you add in all those fixtures and you don't bring in a single player really. So they did bring in Joe Hart, but well, yeah, I guess. Um, but, I mean, a, a cover as a keeper. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't really mean anything. I do think that Sean Dyche is a god at this point. Like, if you're a Burnley supporter, they you don't, don't have, have they a tattoo on your chest. Yeah, I don't know how they don't have a statue outside the, the ground at this point. But, I mean, he's brilliant. I think they'll be just fine. But I expect them to finish, like, 9, 10, 11 and no better than that. Yeah, I'd put them a little bit, a little bit lower. I have them finishing kind of a, you know, around Leicester in the, kind of the, the upper bottom half. Okay. And, and really, there's not that much to talk about with them just because they didn't make a lot of moves, but it'll be interesting to see how they play in Europe. And then the last team in this tier we have is Newcastle, mm. which is a pretty interesting situation. Yeah. Rafa Benita is a high-profile manager who now for two seasons has had a lot of issues uh, with 
not being able to spend much yeah, money. Actually, yeah. There's a huge rift between the supporters and the ownership of the club right now. Which just continues to not really be resolved. Yeah, and you look at their their squad. They have a lot of talent. They are a team that probably should be expecting to finish top half and maybe challenge for a top six spot, but I don't think they're quite there. Yeah, um, see, I, I don't know. I, I think – so Newcastle just picked a – they got Kennedy, who they had on loan last season. Solomon Rondon, who I really like, uh, pulled up from, from – That was a good Brown. move, yeah. Um, and obviously Rafa Benitez is world class. But I do think – Newcastle, I think the longer this issue with ownership and fans goes on, the more that becomes a scapegoat for anybody in terms of lack of performance. What Rafa's doing with a tight budget and with the way that they played last season is brilliant. They did great um, last year. Yeah. But I, I think that you know they can continue to play like that, but eventually that's going to get a little bit old where it kind of feels like they're treading water. And I think the longer this issue with goes on, you kind of see the floor for them get lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. Um, and then, you know, at any kind of sale, for example, if they'd start, if they start poorly, um, what are they going to do? Fire Rafa and bring in somebody else? No, the owner's disengaged and not really investing money into the you club. You can't really upgrade there. So. And you can't upgrade either. So if they end up, but then Rafa says, my hands are tied. I'm not getting the players. And they're in this kind of standoff. So it wouldn't but, be, I wouldn't be surprised if he resigned. He's threatened it several times. But again, I mean, I think talent wise, I'd be surprised if they're fighting for relegation or fighting to stay up. Yeah. I think that they have the talent and the experience, but it is a, a, a tough situation for them. And like as a Newcastle supporter, I'd be pretty upset too. Um, but who cares? Anyway, um, so let's hit, let, we'll do this a little bit quicker. These, uh, we got eight teams left here that we think are probably going to be fighting in a bit of a relegation battle. Yeah. Uh, the two that I really want to talk about more than any are the, the two of the newcomers, Wolves and Fulham. Yeah. Because they're not like most clubs that get promoted from the championship. Right. We're in this new era now where, you know, learning lesson from the World Cup is uh, kind of the – um, the gap, the skill gap uh, that has existed over the last probably 10, 20, and even going back further in time between top countries or top na- yeah, top nations is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, right? So you're getting these teams from the championship who are coming up, big money, um, lots to invest. Uh, Wolves, first of all, I, I mean, but we have both of them maybe battling for relegation, but I actually don't think either. No, I think they'll both be fine. Um, just because they're recently promoted, we had them here, but uh, Wolves, obviously, with their connection with uh, Jorge Mendez, the Portuguese super agent, um, you know, owners are good friends with him, have a lot of Portuguese players. Rui Patricio they brought in um, and Jean Moutinho in, in the middle for 5 million quid. They also have Ruben Neves, um, former uh, Portugal under-21 captain who was a part of their side last season. Um, some concerns about Connor Cody in central defense, former midfielder, switching you know switching to defense, can he handle Premier League forwards? Um, but they've made signings. Uh, they made strong signings and they seem to have a bit of a pipeline for going and getting good players, especially Portuguese ones. Pretty wild, um, yeah. And then we move over to Fulham, who are not really in the same situation, but another team that just came up and we don't really expect to go down. Um, they've made a bunch of signings. Yeah, they're insane. So they brought in, well, they had Alexander Mitrovic on loan last year, but they made him a permanent signing. Alfie Mawson from Swansea, defender. Uh, Jean-Michael Seri, who a lot of big clubs are going Barcelona after. Barcelona was linked to them, yeah. Yeah. Andre Sherla on loan. Like, there's a lot of guys on here that you would, you know, recognize names, and you don't really see that coming up from um, a club getting promoted. And then on top of that, too, they were able to hold on to Ryan Sessegnon, who's, like, one of the most exciting young players in the world, uh, English. And then also were able to re-sign their club captain, Tom Kearney, yep. who was really, really good. Um, I saw them play towards the end of last season, and they're electric. They just, they run all over the place. Um, I think that they're going to be really, really good. I think both 
Fulham and Wolves could finish right around 10th and it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're getting into the Premier League this season um, and you're listening to this podcast, follow Fulham. They're going to be that, really fun. If you need a team to support, they're going to be it's fun such, to watch. And such a sexy team to follow right yeah. now. The, the owner also owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he's out here tweeting about all the players that they're signing at Fulham and like their decisions to keep people and re-signing. It, they're, they're in, and they've got a core of young, strong players. Um, they, I think, have a really, really high scene. I think they could really run up the table. I think both these teams could finish top half, but on that note, too, with the amount of investment that both clubs have put into this season and last, if either of them are relegated, it's going to be an absolute disaster. disaster. Absolutely, um, absolutely. They have high expectations, and would love to see that because you know what, they're recently promoted, and you know, get get back down. Right. There. The other newcomer we have in this group is Cardiff, who are in a different spot. They're yeah. definitely the underdogs. They're kind of like the Huddersfield of last season, where um, most people don't really feel like they are on the same level talent wise as these other clubs. Yeah, I've made a couple runs with Cardiff and Football Manager, so I have a bit of a soft spot for the Bluebirds. Went Redbirds back to Bluebirds. Um, <laughs> they they they're, now they're the only Welsh club in the Prem because Swansea went down. True, so we're, we're uh, I, one team from Wales. I think I think Neil Warnock is an absolute joke of a manager. <laughs> um, you know, they scrape by in the championship because they're. I mean, they're a lot of big boys, a lot of good players, and he kind of gets the best out of them individually. But I just think they they had the lowest amount of passes one of the lowest amount of passes completed last year in the championship they don't play strong enough football they're going to have they're going to get too exhausted playing against especially some of the big teams the run and gun you know hoof it long out muscle people is not going to work in the Premier League because people will muscle you right back uh, and Neil Warnock's going to get you know, caught watching porn again in his office so I, I don't expect them to do well <laughs> yeah they're going to be like ugly football it'll be pretty surprising if they can stay up a couple of these other teams we have down here we'll just touch on quick uh, yeah. Bournemouth Eddie Howe's boys They've been in the Prem now. This is going to be their fourth year, I believe. Yeah, big signing Jefferson Lerma, who they who they brought in for a club record fee. They've done this a few times now, signed a couple guys. I'm almost kind of feeling like, is it Eddie's, Eddie Howe's time to go? Um, because, sure, they are staying up. I know they're a small team, but when are they going to take their ne- that next step? And, again, when teams start to get itchy like that, they, you tend to see them really slip and the kind of the floor fall out from under them. So, they, um, they got themselves into a little bit of trouble last year. I like Eddie Howe's manager. He's been linked with a lot of uh, bigger clubs. We'll yeah. see. I, I think they'll probably stay up, but I think they're going to be fighting tooth and nail during the season yeah, somewhere agree. between like 14 and 18 yeah without goals from Jermaine Defoe last season like they don't you know they maybe don't stay up right so. another team that was really really um fighting for it towards the end was Southampton which was kind of surprising um yeah they've been a, they've been a Premier League staple now for the past few years and they really almost went down they had to bring in Mark Hughes which is almost embarrassing um, after he yeah, got sacked from he Stoke and he kept him up and I think that they'll stay up but um, they made a few signings. I don't know. They're just kind of – they were a team that I didn't expect to be fighting for uh, relegation last year. And so now it's a little bit weird. They're kind of in a, a yeah, spot. Yeah, when I look at some of these teams at the bottom, I think there's there's kind of a group of four um, being Cardiff, Brighton, Huddersfield, Southampton, who I think any – like three of those four are going to go. Um, Southampton could easily finish, I think, bottom. I don't rate Mark Hughes. Um, you know, hasn't really done anything with any of his teams. He somehow fell into the Man City job decades ago um but just they don't have an identity in terms of the way they play football they've always had trouble keeping their good players or good young players yeah don't expect that uh southampton to do well you've got watford as well who just continues to get like a lot of foreign investment and foreign players outside the core of like troy dini and they you know you saw du, uh, ducare play pretty uh ducare play pretty well for them um but i also you know with the way watford play i kind of see them like a like like a Bournemouth, maybe a little bit better than Southampton. Um, again, not a huge 
they're in a weird spot. They they seem like they're kind of established in the Premier League, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they went down. They lost for Charleston. Yeah. Um, they did bring in Gerard De La Fu, which will be really interesting. Came from Barcelona. Yeah, but like he's um, been he's been in the Premier League. Uh, I mean, he's never really got put it together, but they at least invested some of that money they got from a Charleston. I don't think very highly of them. I think they're going to struggle this year and could see them going down. But miserable they, mascot as well. Yeah, but they they managed to stay up, so we'll see what happens with them. Um, the only other team we didn't really mention here are there's two, I guess, Brighton and Huddersfield. Um, they're both kind of in the same spot. I don't think that they're they're quite cut out in terms of talent. I think Brighton will stay up. I, I hate them because they're scum and they're, um, you know, not on the same level the as a great club like Palace. But I think they'll stay up. I think they, they made a few signings as well. And they probably should have went down last year and somehow figured it out. I think uh, they'll be all right. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I actually expect Brighton to go down. Um don't you know? Didn't really again. I mean, they made a, l- a little business, but they're kind of playing that the small you know small guys in the league. And I think that are they going to have this 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 the idea of okay, I, I much like Huddersfield, right? Like we just stayed up, and then now we're in it for uh, getting battered all season long again. Um, and they got off to decent starts at the beginning of the season last last year and kind of trailed off a little bit. So I don't expect Brighton to do very well. Um, and then same thing applies for Huddersfield. I think the way Huddersfield play in terms of. You know, a lot of pressure, a lot on the ball. I think teams are going to know that this season. Um, and quite frankly, if you press them, guess what? We'll hoof it downfield, run you down, because you won't be able to possess it out the back yourself. Yeah, they, they um, brought, And they got much worse as kind of the season season went on. Right. They're definitely vulnerable. I think David Wagner did an amazing job last year to keep them yeah. up. They shouldn't have stayed up. Um, they did bring in some signings, a lot of foreign players. Uh, but they're going to be definitely fighting to stay up for sure. No yeah. doubt about it. So let's get into our predictions. Um I think it makes sense to just start with our bottom three. We're going to go bottom three, top four, and then some of our like players of the year. So um, let's go. What, what's your bottom three, you think? Who do you think is going to go down? Yeah, so I will say, just to preface this, that the transfer window this season in the Premier League is obviously different than it ever has been before, um, where the transfer window locks before the season starts. So traditionally, it's it's run for the first month or so into the season. So the end of August, so normally. The, yeah. So at this point, everyone's got to have their roster come Friday, you know, come Friday, that ready to go, and so I have these predictions pending a signing in the next twenty four hours. Yeah, we could so. have a signing coming up here quick, but I mean, these are pretty much the teams we're going to be working with, which is really interesting. And there's not going to be a lot of ability, um, you know, if you have like a an inju- a major injury the first yeah, week, yeah, look to your academy. You uh, you really shit the bed the first week or two. You're not going to be able to just like make a panic buy like a lot of these clubs normally would, right? Um, but yeah, let's get into it. So let's bottom three, I've got, I've got, uh, I've got in this order, uh, 20th, I've got Cardiff, 19th, I've got Huddersfield and then 18th, I've got Brighton. Okay. Mine's pretty similar. I think Cardiff are going to finish bottom. I, I think they're the weakest team with the weakest manager. So I yeah. don't know. I'd be shocked if they stayed Done. up. Garbage. I also have Huddersfield in 19th, but it wouldn't surprise me if they found a way to stay up. Yeah, I do really love David Wagner and they did it last year. And then in 18th, I have Watford going down. Um, I just kind of think their time's up. I don't think they've done enough to keep their squad improving. They don't really see like the cohesion there. They're yeah. a new manager, so I think their their time's kind of up. I'm going to go with Watford going down too. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's go to the top four. What's your top four looking like? Yeah, so top four. A lot of thought into it. Tough to pick. I think again, City way far ahead of everybody and where last season. Hard to look past them. So I've got City at one, Liverpool at two, three Spurs, four Arsenal. So I've got Chelsea and United both falling out of the top four this season. Okay. Um, I have somewhat similar, and I think that City and Liverpool are really in a tier of their own. Um, Agreed. I have City at one, Liverpool two, but I think that those are going to be the two clubs that really have a chance all season to win. 
And then my three and four are different. I expect a bounce back from Chelsea. I, uh, Again, I really, really have a crush on Sorry. Yeah, I do. Um, I'll admit it. I think that they're going to be really exciting, though, and I think that they just underperformed last year. Their talent's there. And then I'd be really surprised to see United finish outside the top four. I just think their talents, they're so talented. If they do keep Mourinho, I don't think they win the title, but I also don't think they finish fifth. So um, it pains me to not have Spurs in my top four, but I just don't think they did enough to improve. And like I said, I think Chelsea will bounce back, and um, you know, United are... If they finish outside the top four, then Mourinho's going to be gone probably before Christmas. Yeah, I again, I think, and you looked at when Chel- when Mourinho left Chelsea, they, they got off to an awful start that season, scrambled. Um, people were like, what if Chelsea go down, um, defending champions? Yeah. Um, but I think you've kind of seen this with Mourinho. After a couple of years, he, he, he kind of peaks early in that first year or two, and then after a bit, it's like, oh, uh, what's going to happen over time? And then he just move, ends up moving on before it, you know, it gets bad. So I actually, so I had them outside the, the top four, and then with Chelsea... I do think they could sneak their way in there. I, you know, I'm not a, I guess I wouldn't hate to see them. And I, I like, again, I would love to see them playing good football. But in terms of the changing fundamentally the way they play so drastically um, with the personnel they have, I don't think they have a good enough center forward to do that. So have them fallen out the top four because I do think Spurs' core is just too strong. They've been playing so well the last two seasons, picking up so many points. And then I've got Arsenal at four because, you know what, Unai Emery, I... I don't know what it is. I just feel like this new era, this breath of fresh air for Arsenal, um, can, you know, and the shirt up defensive moves they've made can actually help them sneak into the top four. Yeah, and again, I think when it comes down to it, the, the most interesting part of the race towards the end of the season, I do think that City and Liverpool will be a little bit neck and neck. And then I, I could see there being like a 10-point drop-off from second to third. Yeah, but same. I think three through six, when you look at Chelsea, United, Spurs, Arsenal, I think all of those teams will be in the mix for their top four. Yeah. So it should be really interesting. I mean, I, I think there's going to be a lot of... Um, you know, like the last couple of weeks of the season, there's going to be a lot of movement between these clubs. And I think out of any of those six, the only team I don't think really will finish top four would be Arsenal. But you're right. I mean, Emery, they definitely have some talent. It's just, I don't know if they have enough as the rest of the, the other five clubs up here, but yeah, um, we'll see what happens. Strangely optimistic with, with that Emery side, but um, transitioning over to uh, our individual awards. So award we've got, yeah, we've got, uh, we got some preseason awards, player of the year, young <laughs> player of the year, goalkeeper of the year, basically who we, who we're going to, who we think is going to stand out um, player of the year. It was tough. I'm looking at the city team. Part of, I think what makes city so strong is their ability to rotate and, you know, they've got the uh, Mares and, um, Bernardo Silva is going to come off the bench um, and, and all these good wingers. So it's hard for me to pick one of their players. Aguero often gets hurt. Jesus doesn't play every game. Right. Um, so I went with Mo Salah. Breakout season last season. Um, that Liverpool team is going to be insane. He's going to have like a couple games, maybe a couple games where he scores hat tricks. It's, it's kind of funny. I this is like not the time to bring this up necessarily, but we didn't touch on it. When's the last time you thought about Coutinho at Liverpool? It just like didn't matter that they lost him. No, they yeah, just have it, it, so it, much going forward. And Salah yeah. is one of the big reasons. I think that I mean, he's coming off of a historic year where people just he kind of flew into. Yeah, they the just play too fast. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think. I think with how fast they play, and Firmino uh, drops a lot now, and, and kind of covers that space that Coutinho did take up. Um, dropping Coutinho allowed them to really strengthen up the holding midfield. Like Fabinho is going to go in for where Coutinho would have been and play holding midfield on the reverse on the bottom of a midfield triangle with um, you know Jordan Henderson or and. Um, Red Bull, Red Bull Light. Uh, oh, Kaida, yeah. Ooh, he's he could be scary. Exactly. So like that's yeah. a that's a but that's like much more defensive to allow those three to run up top. And so I think I think they're going to be really, really really thing fun for them. to watch. Uh, and Salah is definitely like their guy at this point. So I like that. Mine is a little bit different. 
I did pick someone from City because I just think he is the best player in the Premier League at this point, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Um, I think this is where he takes over as like the best attacking midfielder in the world. You saw him at the World Cup. He was great. He was yeah. so good last year for them. He really just – he's the key. Like, they, they're right. They have so many players. They got um, Sané and Sterling and Silva and David yeah. Silva. Bernardo. So, like, all these attacking midfielders going forward. And you got Aguero and Jesus. But I really think, like, the anchor to all of that is De Bruyne. You know, just put him right in the middle. He just makes these absurd passes every game. He can score from 30 out. Yeah, you look at that team. He's like, unreal. There's rotation <laughs> everywhere. There's rotation at the at the wide players. Striker, you know, between Aguero and Jesus and um, Silva. And, yeah, there's a lot of rotation, except the constant is always De Bruyne. Even at, even at defense, you know, they, they've got Laporte, Otamendi, John Stones. They've got all these names they can rotate um, at outside back as well. Kevin De Bruyne is always in the team sheet, always the first guy in there. Um, so it's a fair pick, but uh, he's gonna be phenomenal. not going to get as many goals as Salah. So. No, he, he, he shouldn't score as much as Salah, but I, I think he's incredible. Um, let's go to the young player of the year. Mm-hmm. So I went with another player from Manchester. I'm going with Marcus Rashford. He was one of my young players to watch the World Cup, too. It really just comes down to how much they let him play. That's the thing is I would love to pick him because he's, he's English. I think he's a he is um, their number ten. They they gave him the number ten yeah, kit this year. I, so you I think, think he's, he's probably going to get. I think in he's there, insanely but. talented. I but I and I would love. I would actually love if he won. So I love that call from you. But. I'm huge into him. I think he's a, a big uh, part of the future of England. He's incredibly fast. I mean, he's a guy that can like take free kicks for them. Playing the wing, I think he plays a, a pure striker. So as long as they just give him the reins, like. Uh, it's, it's a little I just bit don't think they will. I, I think that that's the thing. Is I, I, I don't think. I don't think that they will. I think that um, there cannot be a player on that on that field who has a bigger ego than Jose, and that, that's probably the clash with Pogba right now. And I just don't think that Rashford's going to get enough consistent playing time, um, given the the talent they have there to rotate in Mata, Martial, um, and and you know, other wide players that they have, and, and Lukaku dropping into space. And, well, on that note, I could say the same thing. About your young player of the year. Well, my yeah. my so my young player of the year is Leroy Sané. Um, he's actually he actually won it last year, so I expect him to do what Deli Ali did um, two years previously. So Deli Ali won it back to back seasons, and I just think Sané well rested after the uh, after the summer off, not going to the World Cup controversially. Um, he's again totally focused on his club football with Pep, um, and I think he was. Very, very good last season. Um, won it, and I expect him to do it again on the team. He's gonna get. A, he's gonna have more goals, I expect, than any player that's that's under twenty three years old. So yeah, uh, I think um, I think it's a great pick. I love Leroy Sané. I'm still like three months later in disbelief that he wasn't on the World Cup squad for Germany. Um, he's phenomenal. I just the only thing I worry about him is the same kind of idea with Rashford. I mean, they have a lot of talent in the same type of position, and he might not be playing every match, so that could definitely hurt him a little bit, but. You're just basing off of talent and ability. I mean, I think those are two of the best young players in the Prem. So, if not the world, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but transitioning over to goalkeeper of the year, this one's uh, you know pretty pretty I guess swift um, because it's not, goalkeeper of the year is the award we went with, not the Golden Glove. So, Golden Glove goes to the most clean sheets. We picked just who that who the hell do we think is going to be good? Yeah, um, I went with Burden Leno again. This Arsenal team, um, I think the Leno is uh, signing though they went and got right when they got Emery. Um, so clearly there's there's some positive emotions towards Leno. Um, kind of reminds me of Jens Lehmann when he first came to Arsenal during that Invincibles team. And um, good young German goalkeeper. I expect him to kind of be like the next Manuel Neuer almost. It's kind of a hot take. But um, 
Yeah, Burnley and all. Well, it's funny they spent twenty mil on him. How much would uh, Chelsea like to get that right now? Yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> that, that's the thing. He was, he was he was going to leave Germany. He was in like kind of his contract was coming to an end. But um, yeah, I I think he'll beat out Petr Cech for the starting job. Petr Cech's too old now, um, and Burnley actually knows Petr Cech from back in their days in Germany. So get a little tutelage as well, kind of keep his head on straight. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah. So my pick's kind of uh, like riding the bandwagon. Still, I'm going with Jordan Pickford. <laughs> um, and, I mean, obviously coming off a hot World Cup, it's a pretty easy pick to make. But I think that Everton's best move was being able to hold on to him. Uh, he's phenomenal. He's very young. He's just, like, he's already a leader. He's a great shot stopper. Uh, he had a good year last year, and I think he's going to come back and yeah. light it up. His only I, critique is he's a little undersized, but... Um, I don't think it matters that much. And the thing is, like, yeah, I definitely I mean, don't think he's going to win the Golden Glove because Everton are sometimes rocky defensively, but... He makes up for a lot of that, and so in terms of just like who's going to be the best like rated goalkeeper of the season, I think that it's him. Fair. Um, and then let's go on to we got a few left here. We go to signing of the season. You're going to make fun of me again, but I'm going with Chelsea, Jorginho, uh, <laughs> and it's it's a sorry, it's like a, a little duo. They're a couple that came over from Napoli to Chelsea, but Sari has this system, and Jorginho is the the centerpiece of all of it. It's a small central midfielder who had the most completed passes out of any player in all of the top five leagues in Europe last year. He's been compared to like uh, Andrea Pirlo, just a small midfielder who's a brilliant passer, keeps possession, and I think it's going to be huge for them to have him in the middle anchoring that. They got him for a little over 50 mil, I believe. So it's expensive, but that's really their only move, and I think he's going to be huge for them this year. Yeah, I mean, he has to be for them to find any success, right? And uh, For my science season, I went with Felipe Anderson um, for the Hammers out there. Um, but I picked him for a couple reasons. One, I think he's explosive quick, um, very, very quick. If you watch him, you, you guys will all see him this season very, very fast. Um, and he reminds me a lot of newcomer to the Premier League last year, Mo Salah. Um, their games are very similar, very fast, quick on the counter, decent with both feet. They're not going to score 30, 40 yard curlers, not p- big, massive, powerful wingers like a Marco Arnautovic or something like that. Um, they're, they're a little bit undersized, smaller. They both got curly froze um, and they're fast. So um, Felipe Anderson on that West Ham team, um, they paid a lot for him, uh, 45 mil, a little bit north of that. Um, but I expect him to be a big breakout attacker. I, I was looking for him to actually go to one of the, the bigger clubs, but I, I think he's a top top six talent. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of a coup for West Ham to get him. For sure. Um, and I like that pick as well. So we got um, really just got two awards yeah. left here. So we're going to go manager of the year, and then we have like a front office ownership type award. So for manager of the year, again, you're going to make fun of me again, but I went with Sari, and it's just because Dude. I think that he's going to like bring the reins into Chelsea here. Um, I think that City's going to win it again, and so... I don't really see you know, a need to give it to Pep again, even though he's probably the best manager. Yeah, manager of the year. I if, I, if Liverpool win, it will go to Klopp, but I uh, I don't think they will. So I'm going to go with Maurizio Sarri. I think that he's going to like really light the Premier League on fire with his style, or yeah. he's just going to crash and burn. So fire either way, but. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I, I got Unai Emery. Again, I have this weird optimism towards Arsenal, um, looking at them shoring up defensively and having this breath of, breath of fresh air. I think everyone's eager to say, you know, have him do well. I've said my piece on that. But I also think Pep's the best manager in the year. And if anyone, you know, I think he's pretty much a surefire to win this. But if I'm going to pick someone outside of Pep because he's in a world of his own, um, I'll go with Unai Emery. Yeah, okay. So I would I'll- love to like, meet Pep. We should get Pep on the pod. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll invite him on. I think All he'll right, come cool. on uh, next week. 
we'll get him on at some point this year. We'll maybe we'll have a little mashup with Pep and Mourinho on the same podcast. Yeah, that's a promise. That'll come in that November. Yeah, so we already got Jurgen Klopp booked for a couple months out. So, um, all right, cool. Last thing we wanted to touch on, um, and this kind of like goes in with Manager of the Year too, but we wanted to do one that's a little bit more high level. So like ownership front office award in terms of just getting the the club in a good spot, why spending, and um, kind of all that together. I went with Crystal Palace because I'm a bit of a homer, but for a couple of good reasons too. Um, two mainly. The first is I think Max Meyer getting him on a free at a position that they needed. He could flop, who knows, but I think that it's a really high ceiling for that signing. Mm-hmm. He at one point was touted as one of the best young players in the world and kind of fell off a little bit. Um, but to get him on a free, he's a German international, and if he has a good year, that's going to be a great, great look for them. And then also... Being able to keep Wilf is the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the most coveted transfer signing or transfer targets of the, the window here. And holding on to him, your best player, I think that's huge. So I'm going with Palace. And they also just announced some uh, redevelopments to Sellers Park, which I'm excited for. Yeah. So. I, I mean, and great kits. Yeah, great kits. Great kits this season. Uh, full credit to Steve Parrish. You've spent a lot of time on holiday this summer and still got your job done. Always so um, respect the guy. Um, well, you know, he looks great in the sun, but follow him on Instagram. Great stories. Um, but he, yeah, I, I respect the moves that they made. Um, and I feel, I think it's the first time, pal- it, you know, the front office moves that are good are when teams aren't scrambled going into the season. And it doesn't feel scrambled. It, it feels, feels very calculated. I feel like they have more stability this year than they have. Exactly. In a long time. So my best ownership front office, you kind of touched on it earlier, is Fulham. Um, Fulham are coming in with steam into the Premier League, that actually feels legitimate. A lot of teams just come in kind of guns and blazing and then kind of, um, you know, those guns kind of die down a couple months into the season. Fulham, the fact that keeping Sessegnon has just been so matter-of-fact um, and there's never been any massive rumors with him leaving, signing Kearney, their club captain, to a new deal, um, keeping their manager, knowing for a strong attacking sense of football, um, and then also going out and getting Shirla, Sari, um, Lawson, making sure Mitrovic stays. Um, they're good, and they're going to be really good, yeah, I think. I think it's a testament to the morale in the dressing room and within the club in general. There's just a lot of optimism there. Yeah, it is. I mean, like a guy like Mitrovic, he's a big name. They got him on loan and to be able to come back and, you know, put up enough to make him want to come back uh, permanently. So guys like Tom Kearney and Sesson Young could have pretty much went anywhere in England if they wanted to. So I think it's just a testament to not only their manager, but this, the club in general. Like, I right. think there's just a lot of optimism and good vibes within Fulham right now. Mm. Um, so I like that pick, too. And then the other one that Anvil mentioned is probably Wolves, but we'll see what happens with that, too. Yeah, who knows? They could uh, Yeah, they could just you know, get relegated. They're just going and crazy. Go. Yeah, who knows? I have no idea. What's so a lot of just, well, they, I don't think they speak. They speak all Portuguese. They must in the in. in don't the, feel English at all in the clubhouse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's it for all of our awards. So, anything else on your mind, like coming into the first weekend here? Anything you want to hit on? No, in regards. To, I mean, in regards to the rest of the pod, um, this is probably going to be our longest discussion. Of, you know, Certainly. getting getting the whole you know every person in front of you. Um, expect to keep things much simpler in terms of recapping what's going on, major headlines, um, and then some some anticipated or you know what our anticipation is for some of the fixtures coming up. Uh, week over week for the rest of the season so keep an eye out for for just to goes to show um yeah we'll be dropping something next week recapping this opening weekend doing a little preview for week two but uh yeah go ahead and subscribe tell your friends appreciate you listening um and that's about it for now just goes to show everybody's human